Hello and welcome to Stump Death in Taxes. And today I'm talking kidney disease deaths, but not really. I'm mainly talking kidney disease, the Kidney Foundation, my Aunt Pat, and technology. Uh, the me reason I mentioned kidney disease deaths today, later today, and I'm recording this before I'm going to be going to work and uh, I'll be editing this and then posting this after I come back. Uh, so I'm not giving the game away, but I'm going to be giving a talk on uh, mortality trends through 2022 in the U.S. Um, and one of the mortality trends that I kind of knew was there, it's not a top of mind for most people, but it has to do with kidney disease deaths. Uh, yeah, it's it's not like top 10 for the whole country, but it is at certain ages, renal disease. And um, it's gotten worse, 2022, or I should say 2019 to 2022. And it wasn't one of the causes of death, unlike drug overdoses, that was getting worse necessarily before the pandemic. And one of, I don't have direct proof right now, I had been reading some papers where people were having trouble getting to dialysis, at least during 2020 if not during 2021. And this is extremely concerning for kidney disease because this is one of those things that you have to go to continuously. This is not treatment that you can put off. This is similar to type 1 diabetes in terms of chronic conditions that you must be continuously uh, treating. Otherwise, you can end up dead pretty rapidly depending on how bad your dysfunction is. So for type 1 diabetes, it's, you know, your pancreas not working. And in terms of kidney disease, and if it's severe, I mean, perhaps you do not have functioning kidneys at all, in which case you can end up dead fairly rapidly. Indeed, I remember in the recent coverage of the you know, massive snowfalls out in California, uh, some of the people who had ended up dead because they were stuck at home, I think for, for over a week, uh, who had needed dialysis were not able to get out and they died. You can die within a week uh, if you do not have functioning kidneys. That's one of the ways you can die rapidly. I've mentioned before of, you know, dying fast and dying slow. In general, cancer is a relatively slow death. For instance, heart attack is fast. Kidney disease can be a very fast way to die if your kidneys do not work at all. So my connection to kidney disease in a personal way, though, I've mentioned it in passing in a post in 2021, uh, technology accessibility in my aunt Pat. So I was named after my mother's oldest sister, uh, Mary Pat Radabaugh. That's her married name. I'm not going to give her <laughs> birth name. I'm not going to give you my security question answers. So Mary Pat Radabaugh, she worked at IBM. And my connection comes 
kind of tangentially from my dad. My dad also worked for IBM. So this is my mother's sister. My dad worked for IBM. He was an engineer. My aunt Pat had come through IBM. And a lot of people on my mom's side of the family worked for IBM. Her father had been kind of on the sales and service and, you know, doing customer accounts, uh, servicing customer accounts and interacting with the customers at IBM back in the day when you didn't own a computer, even as a business, you had a service contract with IBM. And then my grandfather would do stuff like make sure the engineers came out and, you know, helped you work with your computers and that kind of thing. Well, my dad was one of those kinds of service engineers. And no, that's not how my parents met. My parents met at college. In any case, so how I come into this, this is when we were all living in the Atlanta area. Um, my uh, Aunt Pat lived in uh, Smyrna, and we lived in between Marietta and Roswell. Uh, so these are suburbs of Atlanta. And the thing was, my father sucked <laughs> at teaching. And specifically, he was not very good at teaching technology. He was an electrical engineering major in college. And his problem was he would tell you way too much information. You did not need to know every damn thing of how, what the computer was doing. Um, the way he dealt with me uh, when the IBM PC came out in 1982, and of course he bought one as soon as it came out with his employee discount, was he gave me a basic programming book for like my eighth birthday and, you know, said, Had, have fun because he knew I could teach myself from a book. He never really taught me directly. He would give me programming challenges like uh, draw a circle without using the circle command in basic. And I figured out how to do that. That's actually a math problem, but also how to do loops and things like that. Um, so I, you know, I figured out how to do that. But he did not actually teach me how to do programming. Uh, he would also review my work. So he worked more like a manager, not so much as a teacher. Well, my Aunt Pat, even though she had worked at IBM for a long time, and this was in the 1980s, and I will tell you in a moment why she was asking my dad how to use a computer, um, she made the mistake of asking him how to use a, a PC and specifically an IBM PC Junior which was a short-lived IBM product. It's a failed IBM product. Uh, and I, I pulled up the Wikipedia article on this because I was trying to figure exactly how old I was. I was either 10 or 11 years old when I did this project with my Aunt Pat because the IBM PC Junior, according to Wikipedia, was produced and marketed by IBM from March 1984 to May 1985. And I worked with my Aunt Pat at this kidney foundation camp for children with kidney disease, or I should say minors. They're not all small children, um, though a lot of them were physically small and more on that in a moment. Um, so under the age of 18 in general, it was a summer camp and, you know, near Atlanta, it wasn't in Atlanta. So it was your normal camp, sleepaway camp, but all of these, uh, kids had severe medical problems. So some of them had had kidney transplants. Some of them needed dialysis. And this is the reason for the IBM sponsorship. 
but they all had suffered from kidney disease in one way or another. Because of the effects of kidney disease, you end up with all sorts of physical problems as a result. Um, a lot of people can end up with stunted growth, and that's why I said a lot of them are physically small. And I'm going to check this. Yeah, okay, so I was uh, correct about this. So there was an actor named uh, Gary Coleman who was famous for being on the TV show Different Strokes, and he was rather short. And part of the reason, one of the biggest reasons he was short was because of a kidney disease he had. And according to Wikipedia, again, it was called focal segmental uh, glomerulosclerosis. Um, and he was only four foot, eight inches tall. And a lot of the children who were at this uh, kidney foundation camp were short as a result of their kidney disease. Um, Gary Coldman evidently had two kidney transplants, but they were unsuccessful. And that was some of the cases uh, at the camp. But even when the children had had kidney transplants because of the medications to prevent rejection of the organs, that still would keep uh, growth stunted. Um, so, you know, that was one of the aspects in some of the cases because of how long it would take to get the kidney disease diagnosed or even just results from the kidney disease. Some of the children uh, had profound deafness or were blind or had other uh, visual disabilities. Uh, and there were, you know, there was just a, a variety of physical disabilities that uh, the children had. But what was nice, you had this camp, they had regular camp activities, they could all be together, they had medical support. The staffers, other than me, um, so the staffers mostly were college students that also had a variety of disabilities, not kidney disease in general. They didn't get that specific, uh, but um, they had a variety of disabilities. I remember one staffer in particular who was uh, very deaf and he spoke uh, in sign language because there were campers who spoke in sign language. So it was kind of nice that the campers got staffers that, you know, were able to talk with them in their language, essentially. And it was their native language. Uh, so this was the Kidney Foundation camp. But the IBM partnership came partly, and I think it was my aunt's idea, though my Aunt Pat's idea, though I know some other IBM executives took credit for it, but there you go, that's corporate hierarchy for you, um, that a lot of these kids, of course, had to go to dialysis, and most of them would have to go to dialysis three times a week. And when you were on dialysis, you were there prone in a hospital bed. And most of the time, you know, you're just sitting there for hours, passive. And most of the time, they're just watching TV. And they wanted to figure out, was there a way they could have something where the kids could not feel so passive while they were doing dialysis? They could feel like they were being more active, not so helpless. Now, one of the ways you know, they would try to make dialysis 
not really fun, but, you know, not quite so passive as, you know, you'd get entertainers, ugh, clowns, but, you know, not all clowns are horrid, um, to come in and, you know, more active entertainment, but still, you're still passive to a certain extent, even if you do, um, interact somewhat, the kids got tired of that. So the concept was IBM would donate all of these IBM PC juniors. And the reason I think this was 1985 is of course the, um, that's when it was decided it, it had failed as a product. So why not donate all these products then? Um, so that's why I'm thinking it was 1985 and I was 11 years old. Then the campers could be working on the computers and like writing a camp newsletter. And they had software for that. And actually, I had this software on the IBM PC at my house. And I was actually making fake newsletters based on the books I was writing at home, even. Not that my Aunt Pat knew that I was doing that. But I had the same software. I don't even remember the name of the program, but I remember doing this, but I was familiar with the software. However, my Aunt Pat had been working at IBM all those years. She had started, I don't think in the 1960s, she graduated high school in the 1960s uh, and then got a secretarial certificate. She didn't go to college and then, uh, you know, had worked starting as a secretary at IBM and worked her way up you know, through the ranks because you didn't need a college degree then and, you know, had gotten to her position to an executive position within IBM. But, you know, a lot of those people didn't know how to use computers because you didn't need to. That was for the nerds. That was for the engineers like my father. And then engineers like my father, first off, didn't really design the computers to make them that easy to use. And when they saw the IBM PC and definitely the PC Junior, they thought those were very easy to use, but they are nothing like the computers now. And of course, there was no internet then. So it still wasn't very easy to use. So you still needed a lot of instruction. And yeah, the manuals were not helpful. So you needed a person really to explain. And they brought in IBM employees to help. Um, but my aunt Pat did not want to get embarrassed <laughs> of not knowing how to use the stuff they were going to be putting in front of kids, many of whom had a variety of disabilities. And she worked in an assistive technology division. I mean, she was in charge of an assistive technology division. She had people who were working on the technology, but, you know, she wanted to be able to do the demos herself. <laughs> so she first asked my father to help her, <laughs> which was a mistake. So she actually knew, having worked with me before, and again, remember, I'm like 10 or 11 years old, that I will demonstrate things and explain things, will just do it. Because, of course, at that age, I have no deep understanding of anything. I will just show you how to do it. You turn it on. If it freezes up, this is how you re it, We use Control-Alt-Delete back then. You Control-Alt-Delete, hold it down. Maybe it will reboot. If it doesn't, you put the, you know, turn down this switch. And they were like these 
They were like kill switches, you know, this really hard toggle switch, you know, and this is not the PC Junior, but, you know, like our PC or whatever. You hold it down for 10 seconds, then you can flip it up. Don't, you know, flippy, 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 you might break it. And daddy will get very angry because these are very expensive machines, you know, that kind of thing. So I would tell you the important information you needed to know, not the whole history of binary notation and, oh, yes, and this is in Fortran. It wasn't in Fortran, but, you know, the 8088 and this, that and the other, and it uses this chip and blah, 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 that my father would tell you that you did not need to know as an end user of these machines and that the campers definitely didn't need to know because my aunt Pat wanted to know enough because she needed to bring in volunteers from IBM who were not engineers, people like her, because she wanted to bring other people in later in, um, and she needed to train people like the staffers from the camp who were not going to be tech nerds as well, because we needed to go around with the computers. And, um, and I was there, by the way, the entire summer. Yes, as an 11 year old, as a quote volunteer, because they couldn't pay me, that would have been illegal. Uh, <laughs> the staffers were paid. Absolutely, they were paid. I, as an 11 year old who was there the entire time, but not really expected to do much. Um, I was there at the dialysis. I was, I was there helping with the computers and showing, uh, the kids how to do that. Now, I actually was a bad teacher too, uh, while I was there at the dialysis and that kind of thing. But it was mainly because I didn't let the kids touch the computers. Not because I thought they would break it or anything. It's because I wanted to play with the software. And that was the bad part. There needed to be an adult there. Um, they figured because I was a kid and the person I was with was, quote, a kid. But the problem is the person I was paired with was much older than me. I think she was 17 years old. And I, and you know, I mean, I apologize. And unfortunately, given, um, you know, given the disabilities and given the medical reality of the time. So this was like 1985. A lot of those campers are probably dead today. I'm sorry. This is just realism of the state of the art of the time um, and how profoundly disabled and how profoundly disabling uh, the kidney disease was. It, now, there's a lot more treatments now, and I will bring it back to reality right now. Um, there's home dialysis now. However, a lot of people still need to go to dialysis centers. And, and this is going to be in my presentation today, I have seen there has been an increasing amount of kidney disease deaths going from 2019 to 2020 to 2021 to 2022, at least in with regards to rates. And I mean, it's coming from increasing counts too. And um, partly it could be, you know, less effective treatment or less effective oversight. Some of it can come from not being able to get to treatment. This can come from a lot of healthcare utilization, I know, in 2020 that was not for COVID completely plummeted. Uh, some people just were not able to get 
to healthcare. I know for Stuart and his cancer care, he never missed anything uh, because we made sure he didn't miss anything, but not everybody has the resources. They are dependent on other people for their transportation. And that's true for a lot of people with kidney disease. A lot of them, it's increasing incidence with increasing age, which is true for many conditions. Um, and a lot of people lost their support of transport <laughs> through the pandemic. In some of the cases, it's, it's because, sorry to say, you know, if the government was showering money on people to not do anything, you know, they didn't do anything. It was, you got more money by not working. They didn't work. A lot of nursing homes and other, not, I won't call them medical services, but say paramedical services, just transport to and from medical services. They're having trouble getting staffing because, you know, it's, and then you have gas prices increasing. So it's something that is costing more and more. And they're not necessarily getting more money to support this activity. Um, you know, some people may be going without or not getting it as often as they need to. Uh, also, for home dialysis, uh, they may not be getting enough oversight that they're getting effective treatment. So, um, you know, this is stuff that, you know, people are trying to do. And a lot of people also just had health deterioration in general, and it's not directly due to COVID, but a lot of people who were living alone, you know, their diet may have deteriorated, their, you know, just activity plummeted and just not doing so great. Um, so if they had been on a dietary regimen or someone was overseeing their diet to prevent their kidney function from deteriorating further, and then it may have deteriorated further. I mean, there's a lot of interacting parts. So it, there's a lot of things that could have been going on to make kidney disease deaths worse over the pandemic period. Some of the death causes that I've been talking about are, are more of the headline news variety, such as the drug overdoses, homicides, obviously. Suicide is a weird pattern, but it's um, in terms of amplitude, much less uh, compared to homicide and drug overdoses. Motor vehicle accidents, obviously, is the um, kind of headline news variety. Uh, but stuff like kidney disease generally doesn't make the news and people don't think about it as often. Um, I, it come, came to my attention. I mean, diabetes also came to my attention because of course my aunt Pat, and actually it's not just my aunt Pat, but my aunt Pat had type one diabetes and she had, um, a insulin pump, uh, from early on, uh, one of the early models of an insulin pump. She died relatively early. I think she was 43 years old. I know she was in her early 40s when she died. Um, they attempted, uh, you know, pancreas and I think, I can't remember if it was kidney or liver uh, transplant, but um, it wasn't the transplant itself per se, but some sequelae, as they call it, um, it, it there were problems after the transplants later uh, that 
came. Um, there's systemic issues that come from type one diabetes over time, just like with kidney disease. So even if the kidney disease themselves itself is not, you know, the kidney itself, but there's the toxins, like if they don't get fully cleansed from the blood, et cetera, it causes secondary problems in the body. And it may be listed as the underlying cause of death, the kidney disease, when it's one of those secondary things that came from the kidney disease not being fully treated. Uh, so that may be what's going on. Um, I'm not looking at kind of the whole cascade of things. I'm looking at this on a national basis. I'm not even looking at it like, you know, is there a geographic footprint to it? And maybe there is that certain areas of the U.S. had less access to treatment. And that could be the, the case or there may be higher incidence in certain areas for a variety of reasons. So, you know, these are all sorts of things I'm looking at when I look at uh, cause of death um, clusters and that kind of thing, because there are comorbidities with kidney disease. Uh, diabetes you often see uh, with kidney disease as well, and uh, high blood pressure, you know, blood pressure kinds of issues. Um, but yeah, I mean, these were things that I thought about when I saw the increasing uh, kidney disease deaths. Uh, and there may be other, um, you know, I shouldn't say smaller, but, you know, lower on the ranking list in terms of causes of death that we haven't been paying attention to. Uh, just because they're, you know, lower in rate, lower in number, not as high in terms of headline generating value as external causes of death or COVID or something like that. Um, that even once the major spikes of COVID go away, there may be lingering effects. Kidney disease, Alzheimer's, we don't know diabetes. We did see some effects with diabetes, but there may be some other ones lower down on the list of some longer term chronic conditions. Some that may were may not have been detected. Some that were known about, but had not been, there had been lapses in treatment or ineffective treatment. So these are things that we need to keep an eye on and may unfurl themselves over a longer term and may not have had a big spike, but may kind of grow more slowly in their effect. And, um, you know, these are trends that I've been looking out for. Um, in addition to, you know, these very large spikes up in 2020 or 2021 that were non-COVID. So this is what I've been looking at with regards to death. So that's been Stump. I'll be talking with y'all another time. Bye-bye.